want to start today by just saying a special welcome to everybody joining us online. Glad you guys are here, and welcome to everybody here at our Hastings campus as well. Glad you guys are here. So recently I was at a, a friend's house, and they were showing me uh, this thing that probably many of you have seen these before, but it was um, a little device called a Google Home, okay? And uh, maybe you've seen something like this, or, you know, there's this thing called the Alexa as well, where basically these things, they, they just really, the goal, I think, is to make your life and to make my life just a lot easier. And so, you know, you, you would say to it, um, hey, Google, and then it, like, talks to you in this great voice, and, and you tell it what you want it to do. You look up facts, you can play music, all different kinds of things. Actually, sometimes I feel like in life, maybe um, we've gotten a little lazy. Um, like, it's like we have all these different things. But actually, these, these things are pretty cool as far as what they'll do. From literally, they, they can open up your garage door to turning on lights if you want lights in a certain... I mean, they really do it all. And then, of course, you have things in our lives as well that, I mean, kind of make our life easier, like um, a smartphone. Many of you have a smartphone that you use that um, it makes your life easier from a lot of different things. For Like, for me, I, I love mine as far as it keeps track of my calendar. And so um, all of you who have kids, you understand between, you know, kids and, and sports and your work and everything. There's just so much happening. And if it wasn't for my calendar and my reminders and, and it telling me where I needed to go, when I needed to go to that place, I don't know where I would actually be. And you can actually tell, um, you know, your phone, you can tell Siri, if you have an iPhone, that, that when you get home, um, remind me to take the garbage out. And so when you pull into, when I pull in my driveway, I do this all the time. It'll tell me on like Tuesday night when I get home that I need to take the garbage out. And then I remember to take take the garbage out so I don't forget. I mean, it does incredible things. The other day I was actually looking at my, um, my phone on an event that was going to come up and I hadn't put in my phone where I was going to go. This is actually a little freaky to me. Like I didn't put an address in the event, but it said a suggested address. Like it had been tracking where I went and this was like a reoccurring event. Like it knew where I needed to actually go. Like I needed to go to the TK high school and it freaked me out a little bit. Like how does this thing know where I need to go? Or sometimes it'll tell me when I need to leave because of the traffic and how bad the traffic is or how good it is. And it's, it's a little disturbing at times how these things do these, all these different kinds of things. But, um, you know, that's kind of automation, right? And then, you know, we're living in this time where you see more and more robots doing things for us. I recently was at a fast food restaurant where I walked in and I walked up to the place where I would order and there was nobody there. And I'm like, where's all the workers? And I realized in front of me was a computer and I chose what I wanted to order. I ordered it. I paid for it. And nobody talked to me. Like it was, I, I first thought, I'm like, what's wrong with these people who work here? But it was like an automated system for me to order. Now, my personal favorite, okay, is the Chick-fil-A app, all right? Now, if you've never had Chick-fil-A before, it's what I would describe is a little taste of Jesus in heaven together, okay? Like it's just glorious. It's wonderful. It's an amazing thing. And so I live about two miles from a Chick-fil-A, which is very dangerous. And so I oftentimes will be sitting at my house and I'll open up the Chick-fil-A app and I will tell it what exactly I want to order, what I want. I'll send the order and then I'll drive down to Chick-fil-A. I will push a button on my phone that says I'm here and they'll walk my food out to my car. They'll hand it to me and then I go home and eat and feel better about myself, right? I mean, there's all these different things that you can automate. And then there's, of course, things that you maybe don't like in automation or times where automation maybe works like in a negative light. And so for many of you maybe who use iCloud um, and iCloud is through um, Apple products and I use that. And so like a lot of times on all my Apple devices, um, all my text messages come in uh, through it at the same time. And so like a lot of times I don't actually text with my phone. I'll use my computer to text or I'll use my iPad. But that also means that every text comes to my iPad. I know some of you are thinking, if I have Joel's number, I'm going to text him right now, and would it come up? 
Yes, it would. And so don't do that. Okay. But, but literally last weekend I was getting ready to come up here and preach. And as I was getting my phone or my, my iPad and I was picked it up, it was showing that my wife had texted me. And of course I'm supposed to be thinking spiritual, 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 right? And I just really quick read the text because it came up on my phone and it just said, Caleb, who's our youngest son, just told Kaysan, who's our older son, that he's going to go to hell. And I'm like, wow, I really didn't want to know that right now. Like, like my boy just told my other son that he's going to go to hell. Like they were mad at each other. And he said, you're going to go to hell. And so, I mean, sometimes automation doesn't work in our favor, right? Where you like learn these things about your kids uh, as you're getting ready to try to preach and, and be holy. And then, I mean, years ago, I, I learned this, this very thing of automation when it comes to my own bills, like the bills that I need to pay. And like many of you today, actually, almost all of my bills are automated. So in other words, um, I don't like write, write them out or write a check. It just automatically comes out. In fact, I can tell you this, that in, for me, I've gotten so used to this that when I have a bill that's going to be regularly paid, whether it's insurance or whether it's an electric bill or water bill or whatever it might be, if it's on a regular schedule and they don't allow me to automate it, I actually like, don't like that person. Like I get frustrated because I don't, again, why? Because I, I don't want to think about having to do that. I just want it to automatically take place. And really, this is what I've learned through automation and, and all this stuff is really when it comes down to it, that you will, you will automate, you will automate what matters the most to you. Really, when you, when you think about this, and, and we're going to talk about this today, is that you in your life, you actually will automate the things tend to matter the most to you. The reason why we do it, the reason why we automate different types of things is because we don't want to forget about it because it actually matters. And so like for me, for example, my electric bill automatically comes out of my account every single month. It's not because I don't care how much is there and I get an email reminder and I can look at it and see the amount. But the point is this, is that when I get my electric bill, I don't look at it and go, I don't know if I'm going to pay it this month. I think I'm just going to let that one slide, like not a big deal, right? I know that I'm going to pay it. Now, I might not like how much it is, or I might not like the amount, or I might be like going, oh my gosh, if kids would just turn off lights in the house or whatever it might be, you know, and we would be less. But the truth is, I know every month I'm going to pay it, and it matters, and you know that that this is a reality, that if I choose not to pay it, that matters as well, right? And so I choose to automate it. Now, I know some of you would say, so I would never do that. Like I would, I would never like choose to have something automatically come out of my account because maybe for some of you, you are what I would describe as like old school in how you pay your bills. And so you get a checkbook out every single month. I know some young people you're going, what's a checkbook? Like, what is that? Like, I don't even know what that is, but you know, you get your checkbook out and you sit down at a certain time of the month, whatever that might be, or a certain day of the week. And you write them all out by hand, you know, you lick the envelope, you cut your tongue, you stamp, you know, you stamp it, you put it in the mail, and you send it out. And if that's how you do it, I would just say that's amazing. I'm not trying to change how you automate your stuff. In fact, I would actually say this, that you are, in my mind, automating it to some degree. You just have a different system that tends to work for you. And for the record, I'm not trying to change that. Many of us, we automate with what we would describe as an envelope system. So there's a lot of people who, um, you may or may not know this, but when they get paid, um, they use actually physical envelopes that they take their money and they put them in these physical envelopes so they know what money needs to go towards what bills. They know exactly what they need to spend. Other people, like myself, I use virtual envelopes to do this so you know exactly where your money is going. And of course, there's lots of different ways that you can do this, but I want you to hear this point. What we don't do is we don't look at bills that come in 
and just say, I don't know if I'm going to pay that or not. Now, maybe you do that because you're not sure if you have the amount of money that you need or something like that. But most of us, I would say, you have a system that automates the payment of your bills. In fact, I want you to think about this for a moment when it comes to automation. I'm going to throw a list up on the screen. And I want you to think about out of all these things, which ones of these do you automate? Whatever automation looks like for you. So maybe, again, you go, I have this time in the week or in the month that I sit down and write these all out by hand. Or maybe you have them automatically drafted from your account or from a, a credit card or something like that. But I want you to look at this list and think about how many of these do you automate? And so maybe for some of you, you would look at like insurance. Like for me, I have three different types of insurance that's automated, like my home, my car, my life insurance. And so there's different things like that. But how many of these would you say that you automate? So when you think about it, however many that is, however your system is, the reason why you choose to automate things like this is because it matters to you, right? So this weekend, I want to talk about automating what matters the most in your life. I want to talk about your personal finances. And, and actually, I'm going to talk about what does God have to say about this very subject? What does God teach us and what does Jesus teach us about how to handle our personal finances in the way that is pleasing to him? And although some of you might say, do finances really have to go with God? Like, do they, do they really go together or should they be separate? Actually, I would say this, that God actually talks a lot about our finances. He actually has a lot to say, and Jesus has a lot to say, about how we should handle our personal finances. And now listen, I would also say this, that many maybe of you here, or maybe listening online, you would say in your own life that you are not a follower of Jesus. So some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today, I would say is directed towards those of you who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. But I would also say this, even if you're here and you'd say, I don't know if I've bought into the whole God thing. I'm not sure if I really have crossed over that line yet. I would actually tell you that if you apply some of the principles that we'll talk about today, it can still impact your life in a very positive way. And so what I want to do is I want to show you some scripture and words that Jesus said, and then we'll talk about some practical steps about how to apply these to our lives. And this is found in the book of Matthew. And Jesus, these are his words. He says this, do not store up for yourselves Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he makes the statement. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be awesome. So, so Jesus starts out by saying, I don't want you to store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Now, what that doesn't mean is he's not saying that if you have possessions, that you're a bad person. That's not the point of what Jesus is getting at. But he's saying that there's something, this, this battle that's going to happen inside of us. And at the end, he kind of lays it out for us. And he says this, because wherever your treasure is, in other words, whatever matters the most to you, he says that is where your heart is actually going to be. For me personally, these verses have become some of my very, very favorite verses recently because they, they speak to me and where I'm at in life and how this is a battle for me, and I would say maybe for even some of you as well. And the question that I would start with is, do you know what God wants from you and what he wants from me more than anything else? And so maybe for some of you, again, you're here today and you'd say, I don't know if I buy into the whole God thing, or maybe you're even kind of questioning God and kind of thinking, I'm thinking about following him, but before I follow him, before I really give my life to him, I really want to know what it takes to be a follower of Christ. And maybe for some of you, you know, you would say, before I actually jump in, I want to know what it's going to take for me to truly serve God. 
Or maybe for some of you, you feel like these days, as a follower of Jesus, you are failing miserably in your walk with God. And you're thinking you don't know exactly how you should follow God or what it looks like to follow God. And you're wondering what it is that God wants from you more than anything. And for a lot of us, we think it's rules. We think it's about how, we, you know, how much we go to church, which is a valuable thing. But we think that's going to define whether or not God wants us or not. And really, the one thing, if you want to know what God wants more than anything else, is just this. He wants your heart. That according to this scripture, more than anything else, Jesus and God, what they want from you is your heart. Now, see, sometimes when people talk about money in church, people think, you just want my money, Joel. Like, God wants my money. Why does everybody want my money? Like, why is everybody talking about my money? Even some of you right now are like, I don't like the fact that you're talking about personal finances. Talk about my neighbor's personal finances, but not mine. Like, it, it does something to you, right? And I would just say that if you think that, that actually you have it wrong, that according to what Jesus just said, the verses we just read, Jesus wants more than anything else from me and from you he just wants our heart. And Jesus is also smart enough to know that in my own personal life, my heart tends to follow my stuff. And so let me give you an example of this. Maybe you went to the RV show and you walked in and you saw a brand new RV and something inside of you, your heart just kind of went, Peter Pat, right? And you saw this thing and you're like, oh gosh, I would love that. And you felt like this pull towards it, like God was actually speaking to you saying, you must have that RV, right? Or maybe for some of you, you went to a boat show and, and you're sick of winter and you're like, oh, that boat, we have, I just, I just need, I need it. And, and you're looking at your spouse going, we need that boat. And she's going, why do you need that boat? And just saying, because we just need it. And there's something inside of you that pulls you towards it. Or you go to a car lot, a dealership, and you walk in there and you, you go in and you sit in a brand new vehicle, even though you know you don't have money to buy the brand new vehicle, but you just want to smell the brand new leather. And something inside of you just says, gosh, I would love to have that. Or maybe for some of you, you drive by a home and you say, I would give anything to live in that home. I have to have that. And come on now, why do you get those emotions behind your things? Why do we get emotion behind stuff that's out in front of us? Why do we feel this emotion behind us? And it's not because you are a bad person. It's not because that you shouldn't have wants or needs or anything like that. It's because stuff pulls on us, doesn't it? And you know what it takes to get stuff it's called money. And so, therefore, hear this. When Jesus talks about storing up things on earth versus in heaven, this is exactly what he means, that he wants your heart more than anything else, and your heart is going to follow your stuff. And once you surrender your stuff to him, then he says, I get your heart. And that's all he wants from you in the end. Now, for the skeptics, those of you who would be here and say, you know, I don't know if I really buy into that. Like, I don't feel like I struggle with that. I don't feel like, like when I see something, it, it pulls at me. I want you to think about for a moment, because I'm going to prove you wrong, okay? Um, I want you to think about for a moment your most prized possession. What is your most prized possession that you own currently? A physical thing. Now, maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a vacation home. Maybe, you know, it's a car. Maybe it's some type of vehicle. Maybe it's a, a purse. Maybe it's a certain article of clothing, young people. Maybe it's a pair of shoes. I don't know what it is for you. But what is that thing that is just the most prized possession that you have? Maybe it's a gun. I don't know what it is for you. 
And I want you to think about somebody who you see or you know in your life who you know they don't take care of their stuff very well. In fact, you look at them and think, you are a slob. Like, why don't you take care of your stuff? And I want you to imagine with me for a moment if they walked up to you and said, could I borrow that? Well, like, would you mind just moving out of your house for a couple of weeks? My family really could use that. Could, could we, like, move in? And, and I mean, we're not going to pay the bills or anything, but could we actually, like, borrow that? Like, not rent it. I want to borrow it from you. Or could I borrow that, that pair, you know, of shoes from you? Or could I borrow that gun of yours? Could I use your car? Could I drive it? And I want you to think about what would your response be to that. See, if your response is no, or if your response is, actually, my neighbor has a better one, you should go ask them, Right? Or if your response is to avoid the the, the question, which, come on, now this is for you, which I think if we're honest, it's all of us. I know it's me. I mean, if if you come to me, if I know you're a slob, you don't take care of your stuff, and you want to borrow something of mine, there's this thing inside of me that goes, why would I ever let you borrow my stuff? You're not going to take care of it, right? Now, Now, teenagers, I know some of you are going, well, I don't have a car. I don't have a boat. I don't have, you know, all these things that you talk about. And so this really doesn't apply to me. I want you to think about how you feel if you have a sibling. And remember the time where you woke up or you saw a picture on social media and your sister or your brother was wearing a t-shirt of yours or a pair of shoes of yours and how you respond to that, right? I mean, I mean, I see this all the time, right? I mean, I, I know if this was for me growing up, my brother would be wearing one of my articles of clothing, which, by the way, I didn't buy. My parents bought. And I would look at them and go, why are you wearing my shirt? That's my shirt, right? And all the parents would agree with this, that you watch your kids fight over an article of clothing. Why? Because there is this pull in you as a teenager. There's a pull in you as an adult. There's a pull in all of us to freak out when these things happen. There's a pull in us to hold on to our stuff. And if you're like me, I love to justify it by saying, well, they just don't take care of things. Like my, my, my brother just doesn't take care of articles of clothing or he doesn't put them back. Or my wife loves to try to borrow my socks all the time. And it drives me nuts, people, okay? I mean, I'm just like, don't borrow my socks. You got your own socks, right? And there's this thing, that's a true story. I hate it, okay? And, and there's this thing in all of us that just says, no, no, that's, that's mine. And I get it. But don't miss the point that if we're honest, my stuff at times seems to own me. And I bet you it probably owns you as well. And Jesus is saying, I don't want your stuff. But I actually want your heart more than anything else. And so the question becomes this, who who actually has your heart? If you're choosing to say, I'm going to follow God and I want to go after God, then the question I would ask you is really, who has your heart? See, the easy answer for me to give is I would say, well, God has my heart, like personally. And maybe for you, the easy answer is to say, well, God has your heart. But I think if we actually dig deeper, and you know how you can actually tell, and part of the way that you can tell is by looking at what you actually automate. See, part of the way that you're going to begin to know who really has your heart is by choosing to look at what you actually automate. And the way that you do that, I have a few thoughts on this, is the first one is this, is that if you're going to really look at who has your heart, you have to have a budget to look at it. See, because I can say to you all day long that God actually has my heart. I can tell you that. But see, the only real way to know who really has my heart deep down is to know where actually all my money is going to go. So can you tell me how much of your money goes towards, let's say, vacation? What's percentage? 
Or could I, if I sat down with you and said, how much of your money goes towards the local church, whether it's TBC or another church, or how much of your money goes towards supporting people who are in need in the community, or how much of your money goes towards your vacation or your clothes or whatever it might be? Do you know the answer to that question? See, what I want you to hear is this, is that if we hear nothing else today, the reason so many people struggle with their finances, the reason why people so, so often struggle with this idea of personal finances and how to handle it, and I want really to serve God and I want to give and I want to be a, a person that really loves people and gives things away, is because oftentimes people just don't budget. See, actually having a budget is freeing. It's telling your money where it should go before you actually get it. So let me just ask, do you have one? Do you have a budget? If you don't, the place that I would encourage you to start is, is this idea of, and it's a Dave Ramsey thought, is that you would have a zero-based budget. Now, what this means is that before the month begins, you know where each and every dollar that you are getting that month, where exactly it's going. Every dollar that you're going to make for the month, you know before the month begins where that money is going to go towards. So we just started the month of February. And I would encourage you, if you don't do this, you can start this now. Most people probably even haven't been paid yet for the month, or maybe you just got paid this past week. And so the idea of how this looks is very simple, is that what you do first is you write down, how much money am I going to make this month? So for many of you, you are on a salary, or if you're not on a salary, you would say, hey, what's a reasonable amount of money that I think I'm going to make this month? So don't guess high, don't guess too low, but what's kind of a, a range of what I'm going to make? And then it's simple. You just simply divide that money up and say, this is exactly where it's going to go. So let's just say, for example, you were getting paid four times in the month of February. And because I don't want to be too tricky with math and all that kind of stuff. And let's just say you make $1,000 every single week, okay? Now, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. And so this is kind of how it could look like, okay? And so you would take this, this amount, $1,000, and you would divide it up towards the things that matter the most to you, right? And so for me, personally, I believe in giving. And so I would give 10% of that, $100, would go towards the local church. I would maybe, maybe you have a mortgage that you know is going to come up. And so you have put $250 away for that. Maybe you have some bills that are happening. Or you have a car payment. Or you need gasoline coming up. Or you need food, right? And again, notice that these are the most important things, right? Again, for a lot of people where they start is they get $1,000. And they're like, you know, I really want to go to a movie. And so they go to a movie. Is there anything wrong with going to a movie? No, there's nothing wrong with going to a movie. But the important thing is looking at what matters the most. Now, I want to just address this for a second, because I think this is so key. And some of you, this won't apply to you and everything, but I think it's so important. So one of the things I do is I love, and not because I'm great at this, but just because I'm passionate about it, is I help couples or individuals put a budget together. I do this as a volunteer. I just, I like doing it because personally for me, it changed my own life. And oftentimes when I'm sitting down, and for you when you're sitting down, if your mortgage or your rent is more than 25% of your take-home pay, and you are trying to get out of debt, you will have a very hard time doing it. Oftentimes I sit down with couples, as we're putting this together, their mortgage will be 50% of their take-home pay, or their rent could be that. Or maybe it's 40%. And I'm just telling you, you don't have a money issue. And they're just like, well, I just need to make more money. I just, if my boss would just give me a raise. No, no, no. You have a house issue. You don't have a mortgage issue. And so part of the problem is, and, and as we're trying to get ahead, and one of the things I would just encourage you with, and some of you, you're looking to buy a home, right? And you went to the bank and you're like, I got pre-approved for a half a million dollars. It doesn't mean you should spend a half million dollars, people, Okay. 
All right. And so you want to look at as you're purchasing a home or you're renting, is it around 25% of my take home pay if you want to get ahead? And so then maybe the next week you get another thousand dollars. And so again, you're going to divide that up before the month begins. I'm going to give towards giving. I'm going to put it towards my mortgage. I'm going to, I got clothes maybe that you need to buy, or you want to put towards some towards saving, or maybe you have some debt that you need to pay off. And again, the point is every single time the next week, I'm going to take this money. I'm going to put it towards something. Okay, now notice the last week, this is the last week, this is where you get to take whatever's left over and use it towards the things that we all love to do first, right? And so maybe for some of you, you do want to go on a vacation. I would just encourage you, does that really matter most to you? Now, I know your heart tells you it does, but maybe that's not actually the most important thing. And so again, the point is, is that you have a zero-based budget that you move this stuff over. Now, those of you who are younger, I just want to challenge you with this because some of you are going, well, Joe, I don't have a house. I don't have a mortgage. This doesn't apply to me. I would just encourage you with three things, okay? Every time you get money, whether it's an allowance or whether you actually have a job and you get paid, you do three things. You give 10%, you save 10%, and you spend 80%. Now, you can do more if you want. You know, you could, you, you, I would encourage you to save more than that. But at the very minimum, give, save, and spend. And if you can begin to understand this concept now, I'm telling you, it will change your life. And the key again is this. Zero base means that before the month begins, you know exactly where it's going. Again, you will automate in your life what tends to matter the most to you. And when you do this, you'll know what you begin to see is exactly where your heart is, right? So when you go back and you look at the past month, and that's a great exercise to do as well, look at how much money did I spend this past month and where did all that money go towards, you'll begin to see how much money goes towards certain things in your life. You'll begin to see how much actually goes towards missions, how much actually goes towards the local church, how much actually goes towards Compassion International or things that you would say really do matter a lot to you but you would actually see where that money's going. You'll see, wow, I spend a lot of money on eating out. Or maybe you begin to realize that you spend too much money on your kids' clothes. Or maybe you begin to see that you spend too much money on a truck or maybe on getting your nails done or your hair, hair or fake tanning or whatever it might be. Again, those aren't bad things. But when you're spending more money on that than on the things that you would say really matter in your life, that's where we begin to have an ish- issue. So personally, for me in my life, and for my wife, we make sure that we watch this. We want to make sure that our priorities are lived out in our finances. So for us, when we look at our budget, we make very, very certain every single month that the number one thing, the highest percentage for us is giving. Now, I'm not just talking about giving to the local church, although we do that. I'm talking about giving as far as Compassion International or helping people in need, paying for someone's bills or helping out people who are in need. We want to make sure that's the top priority. For us, number two is our kids. And so we make sure that the, highest, the second highest percentage for us is our kids, whether that's their schooling, whether it's taking care of them as far as clothes or whatever it might be. Number three for us is investments that we want to plan for the future. Number four for us is food. Number five is our house. Number six is transportation. And the list goes down and down and down. And what I want to make sure in my own personal finances and what you want to begin to look at is whatever matters most to you, the highest percentage should be up there. Whatever matters the most to you, you want to make sure that that percentage begins to move up. And if we aren't careful, if I'm not careful, I think we can easily lose sight of this. Now, of course, when you do this, when you put a budget together, you're not going to have, you know, five categories like I showed. So maybe for some of you, you would have more something like this where you would have 12 categories, right? 
And so again, these can be virtual envelopes. These can actually be pieces of paper that you write on a real envelope. And maybe you have a giving one or a home, a savings, food, transportation, your utilities, vacation, investments, whatever it might be for you. And then inside of each of these, you break it down. Okay? So inside of each of these, you might say, I'm going to budget $1,000 a month towards my home because my insurance is going to cost me 75 bucks a month. My taxes are 150 My mortgage, my repairs, because guess what? Something's going to break in your home. Your utilities, same thing for your auto. That maybe you budget $950 because you have to have repairs. And again, this is where people, I watch this all the time, where they don't put any money aside for repairs. Guess what? You will need new tires. At some point, you're going to need new brakes. At some point, something's going to go wrong with your car. And if you don't have money, if you don't plan for it, then how are you going to do that? And so you break it down exactly like this. And this is how, it's just an example of how it could look. Now, I get for some of you, this idea is foreign, okay? For some of you, like, I actually love this stuff. For some of you, like, this is the most boring sermon I've ever heard in my life, and I get that. But I'm just telling you that when you begin to look at your finances, when you begin to put a budget together, what it does is it shows you what matters most in your life. For those of you who would say that this is very foreign to you, can I just challenge you to take this class called Financial Peace University? We offer it right here at the Hastings campus. It's actually going to start this week. And I would just challenge you to go to it. They'll talk about these principles, what they look like, helps you get out of debt. And I know for some of you, you would say, I would love to do that, but I can't afford it. If you're serious about going, if you're like, I'm serious, like I'm going to show up, I'm going to be a part of it. We have scholarship available to you. We'd love for you to do that. In fact, when you all, you all came in, you got a handout and, and on there is one of the classes is Financial Peace University. If this, if this is something you struggle with, sign up, be a part of it. Fill out that card, take it to your next step. Be a part of it. I'm telling you, it could change your life. The final thing I would say is this, is that if you're going to look at what automate, automating what matters most, it means that you put God first with giving. Now, I'm going to speak to our church family or those of you who would say you are a follower of Jesus. This is the part of the sermon that nobody wants to hear, but we all need to hear. Okay? In the beginning, I've talked about this idea of who has your heart. Like, really, who has it? Does God have your heart? Or does your stuff? Now, Jesus, later, he said it this way when he said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he makes this incredible statement where he says, you cannot serve both God and money. See, if you read that for the first time, you might think that maybe Jesus got it wrong, right? Like, Joel, isn't the battle that I face every day between, like, God and the devil like, like, isn't there God on one shoulder telling me you got to do this? And isn't there the devil on the sh- other shoulder saying you got to do that? And God would actually say, and Jesus would actually say here, that's actually not the case. That the battle that you will face every single day, the battle that I face every single day is between me and my stuff. And the way that you remove that is that you surrender your stuff to Jesus through trusting him with your finances, through giving. This is something that was instituted in the Old Testament where the Israelites would give 10%. That's where you hear this word tithe. They would give 10% of their food, of their crops, and they would bring it to God because that was their source of income. In the book of Nehemiah, it says this, Judah, they brought the tithes of what? Not of money, not of cash, but of grain, of new wine and olive oil into the storerooms. Why? Because this is their source of income. This is what would be money to us. And throughout the entire Old Testament, God commanded his people to do this very thing, to surrender just 10% of what you have, a tithe, bring it into the local storehouse or the local church, and that is a way that you begin to trust God with your finances. Now, Jesus all of a sudden comes on in the New Testament. And by this time, 
the Christians, the people who are religious, they have screwed this up so royally that Jesus needs to correct it. That people actually begin to think that it's about an amount of money that you give, right? So whoever gives the most, they're the winners, right? Like, like if I just give a little bit more than that person over there, then I'm more spiritual. And Jesus, he actually addresses this. He says this, that Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also, it says, saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people, it says, they gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So, so Jesus automatically shuts this idea down of, it's not about the amount. It's about your heart. Again, that's what it goes back to. You giving a lot of money means very little to Jesus if it's out of your abundance. It's not about a number. It's not about a number. It's about a heart issue that very few of us, including myself, choose to give often out of our poverty, but we love to give, come on, when it's convenient, right? See, the reason why, going back to automation, the reason why we don't tend to automate it is because we want to do it when it's convenient for us. The reason why we don't automate our giving to the church or maybe to a a person who's in need and maybe sponsoring a child with Compassion International or whatever it might mean for you, the reason why we don't tend to automate that stuff is because for a lot of us, if we're honest, we want to do this when it's convenient. So we want to wait till the end of the month and kind of go, okay, do I have enough or do I not have enough? And if I have enough, then I'll begin to put it in. Now, I know what I'm going to say here in a moment is going to bother some of you, but I believe I need to say it. See, we have no issue automating Netflix. We have no issue automating our mortgage. We have no issue automating our electric bill. We have no issue automating our car payment. Why? Because it matters to you. So can I just challenge all of us today, why why wouldn't we automate our giving if really we say God has our heart? And I just want to challenge you with that today. Why do we choose to say that, yes, God has all of me. He has everything inside of me. But yet we wait until the end of the month to see, do I have a little bit that I could give? And I would just challenge you with that today. If you really want God to have your heart, then you need to make sure that nothing else owns your stuff but him. And see, folks, if we're spending more money, think about this. When you begin to put a budget together and you look at how much money is going towards certain things, if you spend more money on Netflix than on God, that's a heart issue. If you spend more money on coffee at Starbucks than on God, that's a heart issue. If we spend more money on our car payments than on God, maybe that's a heart issue. And Jesus is very clear that in that situation, maybe he doesn't really have your heart. See, and for some of you, this is speaking to you. I know it's speaking to me, man. That oftentimes in life, I think, well, I'm doing real good, man. I mean, I'm, I give and I help people and I saw this need and I, I kind of help them out. But oftentimes in life, we tend, again, to give more towards these things that really don't mean much than towards God. And Jesus would just say, if that's the case, then maybe, maybe I don't have your heart. And so the question would be, well, how do I start And my challenge to you today would just simply be this. And actually, I think this is where churches have missed this so poorly. Is that oftentimes we'll say to you, well, just tithe, right? Like, give us 10%. Like, that's the, it's a biblical thing. There's nothing wrong with us saying, hey, tithing is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. But my challenge to you you today is this, not to tithe, but to simply take a step. 
So I introduced this this summer, and it's just called the giving ladder. And I would just challenge you, no matter where you're at on this ladder, to simply take a step. So for some of you, if you've never chosen to give, can I just encourage you to be a first-time giver? You would say, well, Joel, how much do I give? I don't care. Well, does, does the amount matter? Didn't we just read that the amount really doesn't matter? That my point to you is just this, simply choose to give. Maybe you go, okay, I'm going to give $10. Great, awesome. I'm going to give $20. Great, awesome. Choose to give. Again, take a step. Maybe for some of you, you're an occasional giver, right? An occasional means this, there's no plan. It's what I just talked about a minute ago. That oftentimes you wait until the end and you go, okay, I think I'm going to give $20 here. I think I'm going to give $50 here. I think I'm going to give a little bit here, a little bit there. Again, there's no plan. And I would just challenge you to become an intentional giver. In fact, I would just say this. If you are a follower of Jesus, I would, my, my hope for you and my challenge for you is that you would become an intentional giver. Now, if you think that I just want you to give your money all to TBC, which I do actually think is biblical to give to the church that you go to, but if you think I'm just out for your money, then go do it somewhere else. But the, the challenge, again, is just to do it, to become intentional. Intentional means this. I know an amount, and I know how often. So again, teenagers, I just spoke to you about this. You get 10 bucks, you know an amount, I'm going to give $1. And you know how often, every time I get that $10. Maybe for some of you, it's, I know an amount, it's $20. And it's going to be every week. You go, well, how much, what's like, like, what's the amount I should give? Again, this is something, especially if you're married, you need to sit down with your spouse and say, what should we be doing? that you just choose to be intentional about, that you choose to say, you know what, this is how much we're going to do, and this is how often we're going to do, and you stick that amount. Maybe for some of you, you're choosing to be intentional. You've been recently giving 5% or 8%. The next step for you is to become a tither, that you choose to say, I'm going to take that step, and I'm going to give 10% of my income to the local church. Now, for a lot of you, maybe you already are a tither, and you'd say, I'm good. Like this whole message, you're like, yeah, those losers who don't give, you know, you're that rich person, right, that we just talked about. And the point is that you can still take a step, that you can become an extravagant giver, that God might be speaking to you about taking another step. And again, the challenge is real simple. Take a step. If you've never given before, I don't want you to necessarily be a tither. Now, that'd be great if you can get there, but I would just t tell you to just be a giver. Choose to give. And again, if you think I want your money, go give somewhere else. Give to Compassion International. Give to a need. Find somebody and just be a giver in somebody's life. In fact, I would just challenge you, if that's you, if you feel like God's speaking to you about it, to make that call today. In fact, I'm just going to invite the ushers. If you guys want to come forward, we're not taking an offering, so hold up, okay? Um, but they're going to pass out a card. And uh, I'm going to ask that every one of you would just take one of these, if you'd be willing. And I want to explain this card to you. And this is something that we've been doing for years called the three-month tithe challenge. So they're going to pass those out, and if everybody would just take one and pass it on down. Even if you're not going to do it, just grab one, <clears throat> excuse me, and hold on to it. And what this is is real simple. We would challenge you, if you're a part of our church family, to consider taking what we call a three-month tithe challenge. And what that means is very simple, that if you would say, Joel, I'm not a tither currently, but I will choose to give 10% of my income, that you would fill this card out, You'd, you know, there's a perforated edge where you can fold it in half. You would rip off one half, and on the way out, there'll be buckets. You can drop it in. The other half you keep. And the idea is that you would do this for three months. <clears throat> and our promise to you is this. It's a money-back guarantee. So after three months or in the middle of three months, if you say, hey, you know, I don't feel like God showed up. I don't feel like everything happened that we want to. If you come to us and say, hey, I'd like to get that money back, we will give it back to you, no questions asked. Now, I know some of you are skeptics. Again, you'd say, you wouldn't do that. And I would tell you, we actually have done that. We've actually had people come back and say, look, it just hasn't worked for me. Can we have our money back? And I don't sit down with them and say, now, why? 
No, I just say, okay, great. We write you a check. You can get that money back. Now, I do want to clarify that this has to be money that you actually like put in an envelope with your name on it. So you can't come to me in three months and say, I gave a million dollars to TVC and I'd really like that back. That'd be great because it's not really working out for me. So make sure that you actually make it so we can see how much you've given. And again, take the challenge. Watch as God begins to work in your life. Maybe for some of you, at the bottom it just says this, my own personal challenge is. And so maybe for some of you, this idea of tithing is like impossible for you. And I would challenge you just to maybe you put in there, that I'm going to be an intentional giver. And maybe you want to just put down, I'm going to start giving 10 bucks every week. And I'm just going to watch as God begins to move in my life. Or maybe for some of you, you're already tithing and you want to be an extravagant giver. You can use my own personal challenge for that one as well. And so if that's you, if you want to take that challenge, you can fill this card out. And let me just say something else. If you're here and you are married, I would encourage you not to fill this out today. Take it home and you need to talk to your spouse about it. You need to be on the same page when it comes to this. You never know what God can do if you choose to listen to his voice and respond. So, um, true story, I was probably three months ago meeting with a couple. Again, I, I, I sit down with couples once in a while whenever I can and help them just put a basic budget together and figure this whole stuff out because I'm passionate about it. I believe in it. And as I was helping them put this budget together and working on it, um, I noticed, and these are people who, Christ followers, they're passionate about God, but they don't give. So I challenged them. I just said, you know, as they're going through this process, they said, you guys, they had a lot of debt. I mean, I mean I'm talking like every dollar was like, I mean, it was like weaving and, and trying to figure out how can we get extra income and a lot of debt that they were trying to pay off. I mean, just really working hard at it, but they were passionate about doing it. And I said, I know this seems so like tough, but I said, I want you guys just to consider giving because I believe for me that when God spoke to me in my midst of getting out of debt, when he spoke to me and said, I want you to give, I want you to go above and beyond. It was incredible. The blessings that I received in the midst of that. And they said, well, how much? And I said, I don't care again, just be intentional and give. And so they did. And they began to give and what was in their mind, very little. But they just said, I don't know how we're going to come up with this money each and every week, but we are going to weekly, or I think it was bi-weekly, maybe we are going to give, and they were consistent. They automated it. It's going to happen. Probably about two months into the process, they text me and say, hey, can we meet with you? And I just thought this was a regular checkup, and we're going to sit down, and you know, we're going to, they're going to ask about a couple questions and how we should do with this, that, whatever. And I said, sure. So they come in, and the husband walks in my office, and he has this thing in his hand and he throws it at my, on, on the, my desk and says, take a look at that. And he's got like tears in his eyes. And I look at it. And it's a check written out to them for over $10,000. And I said, you rob a bank or something? Like what the? And he looked at me and he said, I believe this is God's faithfulness. A random check that he wasn't expecting, they weren't supposed to get, and just this randomness. And now, again, I want to clarify to you, if you choose to take a tie challenge, I'm not saying you're going to get a check in the mail for over $10,000, okay? But I looked at that guy and I said this. I said, you understand what this is, right? This is God saying to you, I am faithful. This is God saying to you that when you choose to take a step across the line and just choose to say, God, it's not mine to begin with. I'm surrendering it to you that he can begin to work in an incredible way in your life. 
And I don't know what that looks like for you. Again, I don't know what it looks like for every individual. But I believe that when you choose to become intentional, when you choose to say, okay, God, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. In fact, it's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this. And watch as I begin to work in your life in blessings in incredible, incredible ways that he'll show up. So I would just, again, encourage you, think about taking this challenge. Maybe it's to be an intentional giver. Maybe it's to be a tither. Maybe it's to be extravagant. And we're not going to follow up with you and make sure that you're doing it. This is between you and God. But sometimes when you turn that form in, it's a way of just saying, hey, I'm going to really do this and be a part of it. The final thing I'll just say is this, is that if you really say God means the most to you, if he has your heart, I would encourage you as well to consider automating your giving. That you would make the commitment to say, we're going to automate this. This amount, this often. In fact, as you leave, every one of you, as you go out, there's going to be four, uh, tables with little things that you can drop your tithe challenge card in. But then there's these automation forms that you can grab one of these. You can take it home. You can fill it out. And you can say, hey, this is how much. This is how often I'd like to give. And you automate it. Why? Because it matters to you. And again, if you think I want your money, go find another church. Go find another great organization and do the same thing. Because you watch as God begins to bless you. While I'm on that, I just would say this. If you would, consider as you automate things, many of you, as you choose to give, you might give through your credit card because you get points, okay? And I get all that. But um, when you choose to give through your bank account, through automation with this form, it actually saves us a ton of money. In other words, when you choose to swipe a credit card, and and if that's how you want to give, I'm not saying don't do that, but I just want you to understand that a percentage of that actually goes to credit card companies, and so it's not a lot, like, oh, I mean, but this is where you go anywhere, right? If you shop at a store and you swipe your card, a percentage is going to that. Last year alone here at TBC, which, by the way, this is an incredible thing in fact, as far as people are giving, but we gave over $16,000 to credit card companies, okay, because of people swiping cards. Now, again, if that's the only way you want to give, I'm not telling you to stop. It's a very small percentage. But imagine what we could do kingdom purpose building with $16,000, a lot. And so if you have a choice between using your credit card or taking it out of your bank account every single month, I would just encourage you to do that. Again, these forms are available at the back as you leave in just a moment. You can drop them off at your next step or information center. There's a little drop box that's locked that you can put them in. And we can set that up. Or you can go to tbcweb.com and you can do that as well. And again, I just want to challenge you today. Take a step. Take a step. Maybe for you it is the tithe challenge. Maybe for you it's your own personal challenge. Maybe it's automating your giving. Maybe for some of you the only thing you need to do today, go to Financial Peace University because it will change your life. I know this stuff isn't easy. I know for many of you, I've even ruffled your feathers. You're mad. But the reason why it pulls at you, the reason why it pulls at me, because stuff pulls at us. And I just hope that as a church, especially those of you who would say you are a Christ follower, that you would just be open to listening to what God wants you to do in your own personal life. And you watch as he begins to move. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'll pray for us. And then I'll be free to go. Father, God, I know this is a a hard subject to speak on, and I know it's difficult for all of us to hear, including myself. But God, I know for me, more than anything, I want you to have my heart. So God, as things pull at me, as, as items on this earth and things on this earth pull at me, God, help me to remember that I'm not to be storing up for myself treasures here on earth. But ultimately, I need to be storing up treasures in heaven. And ultimately, God, more than anything, I just want you to have my heart. And I know that's the the prayer of many people here today. So God, as we go, may we respond and take a next step. In Jesus' name, amen.